Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning at Tucson Baptist Church. And uh, thank you for being in your place. It's awesome to see this crowd out here this morning, the Sunday after Christmas. And I trust yours as well. Uh, again, my name is Andrew Cashman, assistant pastor at Legacy Baptist Church in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, excited for what the Lord's doing there for our church. As Pastor Howard mentioned, we are in the middle of a building process right now. And uh, the church just celebrated 10 years back in May. And uh, thankful for what the Lord has had for us. I've been there myself. It'll be five years in March. I don't know where the time has gone, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve this morning. I'd like to thank Pastor Armstrong as well. I know they're away, as Pastor Howard said, on a much-needed vacation. And uh, you pray for them. I appreciate this opportunity to stand behind this desk this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open with me to the book of James. The book of James in chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. And as I was asking the Lord, uh, when Pastor Armstrong reached out and asked me to bring the word this morning, I was asking the Lord what I should preach. And I thought, well, it's one of those stages where, you know, it's the day after Christmas, so it's still Christmas weekend. So do you bring a Christmas message? Do you bring maybe a little bit of a different, or different aspect? And uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart this morning is something that has challenged me, has encouraged me, and I hope it will do the same for you this morning. The book of James chapter number 5, and we're going to start reading, if you have your Bibles, in verse number 13. James chapter number 5 and verse 13. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. And I want you to catch the end of verse number 16 there, and that's really where I want to focus this morning. The Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This morning, I'd like to speak for just a few moments on the subject of the first response for the first of the year. The first response for the first of the year. Father, I pray that as we come to you this morning in prayer, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to stand behind the sacred desk. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to proclaim your word. And Lord, we thank you so much for what this weekend means for those of us that are believers. Lord, that you would send your son, Father, to this earth to be born in a manger, to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, we, we can't even begin to thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for those who are joining us via live stream this morning, Lord, for those who are in the hospital, those that are away visiting family, Lord, that you would be with them, encourage them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever known somebody that made a New Year's resolution? 
Many of us are, are, are known for that, right? We are Here we are just less than a week before 2022. Many of us don't know what 22 is going to hold. And, uh, you know, we get to that point where a lot of us make New Year's resolutions. I'm not even going to ask for a raise of a hand, but I will put my hand up. I have been guilty of making New Year's resolutions. And then the comments start a few days, a few weeks, a few months after the New Year. Well, I've already, tr I've already cheated on my resolution. Okay, again, I'm not going to ask for a raise of a hand. I have been guilty of that. Some of us maybe ask for specific things when it comes to the spiritual or, or the physical or the emotional or the, the relational. You know, the typical I've cheated on my resolution begins not soon after. And again, many of us are guilty of that. As Christians, there are times in our lives where we desire to have better prayer lives and soon we become distracted with trials, don't we? With cares of this world, with even serving the Lord. And though those are great things, you know, if they're not properly kept in the right place, those can become a hindrance. And you see, if we're not careful in our lives, we can begin to, to, to make excuses. We can begin to put things in the place of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we're going to get into 2022 and we're going to get a few months in and we're going to be like, oh my goodness, wh where's my relationship with the Lord? Uh, you know, I set out to serve him this way. I set out to grow in this area, but yet I've seen nothing uh, but regression. You know, and if we're not careful in our lives, it, it, we need to understand that prayer is an essential part of our life. And if you've been saved for any length of time in this room, we all understand how important prayer is in our lives. But how much do we, do, how much do we take advantage of that? How much do we in our personal lives, and I know this morning I'm talking to grandparents, I'm talking to great-grandparents, I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to, to siblings and, and to friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. Folks, prayer should be one of the number one strengths in our lives. If we desire to have strong spiritual lives, we need to understand how critical this area of prayer is in our life. This morning here in our text of James chapter 5 Let's look at four imperative observations to an effective prayer life in the new year. Now, again, that's not to say that we, have, we can't start today. That doesn't mean we can't start tomorrow. But what I'm saying is as we gear up into the new year, I would pray that you would be making resolutions in your life on ways that you want to see the Lord work in your life. This morning, first of all, I see the person of prayer, right? Let's get back to the basics, shall we? The person of prayer. Well, first of all, I see the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful this morning that we have a Lord Jesus Christ who not only commanded us to pray, but also set an example for us? You know, we see here in the Word of God, in, in Luke chapter 11, we find Jesus' disciples even coming to him. And what do they say? They say, Lord, teach us to pray. We see the Lord Jesus Christ in one of the most famous prayers in all of history is Jesus Christ praying before his father to his father in the garden of Gethsemane saying, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has set you and I an example, and I'm thankful this morning that we don't have a Lord God that's of just do, 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 but a Lord God who said, here's what you're going to do, but let me set the example for you. And we see him so many times going to his father in scripture, but we could also look at a number of other biblical characters as well. Though Jesus is by far the perfect and most pressing example, there are others. Think of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you're not familiar with that passage, I would encourage you to go read it sometimes. It is absolutely encouraging. 
But King Jehoshaphat had gotten word that his land was about to be invaded, that these armies of the enemies of the children of Israel were to begin to come and surround them. And Jehoshaphat, knowing that this was coming, what does he do? The Bible says that he goes to the Lord in prayer. First thing he does is he goes to the Lord in prayer. He not only acknowledges the Lord as, as the supreme being, but he also, and this is where so many of us fail in so many areas, is Jehoshaphat admitted his incapabilities. He admitted that, hey, I can't do this. I can't do this, Lord, without your help. Jehoshaphat, after he prayed, gathered the armies of the children of Israel out to go out to the battle, and as soon as they arrive, there lie every single one of the enemies of the children of Israel dead. Not one person escaped, not one man from the, from the, the uh, army of Israel had to raise a sword. Why? Because Jehoshaphat knew that the power of the nation of Israel came from God. Think of the children of Israel. Think about in Daniel chapter 3, the three Israelites. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't we? And we love that story. But men that understood that they were not to pray to anybody but their God. Not to pray to anybody but the Lord God. And what do we see in that is that not only are they delivered from the fiery furnace, but then King Nebuchadnezzar declares what? That their God shall be the only one to be worshipped. And as soon as that happens, what, uh, what do we see in their lives? That these three young men are promoted to government positions. You see, the Bible is full of people who understood the importance and the priority of prayer in their lives. I also think of uh, Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And, and even though I'm a father this morning, I can, I, you read that passage of Hannah begging God for a son. Begging God. And what do we see? That it didn't matter to her what the priest thought. She said, you know what? I'm going to go before the throne of God and pray for that boy knowing that she was going to give him right back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we have so many different uh, people, Bible characters and scripture, real individuals. Aren't you thankful for that? That we can find prayer being an essential part of their life. Let me ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? Let me ask you this morning, when's the last time that you and I went before the throne of God fervently? The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. That word fervent means having or displaying a passionate intensity. Let me read that to you again. The definition of fervent is having or displaying passionate intensity. Boy, for those of you who don't know me, and I know that's a lot of you, I am a huge sports fan. Uh, to the family in here, that is not a huge shocker. Uh, it runs in the blood. My parents played sports. My, me and my siblings all played sports growing up. And when I read that definition of fervent, I began to think of myself as a sports fanatic, and I began to think of how much time and how much energy I spend following my team. And, and yes, we're not the Arizona Cardinals. I understand that. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Please do not hold that against me. Uh, but again, you, you know, I, I look at how much time and how much energy I spend knowing the players and knowing the stats and knowing, hey, we got to get this scenario to fall into place so that we can win this game and that we can make the playoffs. And yet, as I began to think of that and I read that definition of fervent, I thought, boy, if my prayer life was a fraction of the attention that I give sports, if my prayer life was just as much, and, and for some of you, maybe it's not sports. For maybe some of you, it's a hobby. 
Maybe for some of you, it's family. But whatever it is, most of us intensely pursue something in, our, in the room this morning. Well, let me ask you this. When's the last time we intensely pursued a need before the throne of God? When's the last time this morning that we went before him fervent that he would answer a prayer in our lives? But the Bible, I, I love the word of God. I, I know that's probably the most plain statement, the most obvious statement. But I love that the word of God doesn't just put words in there for just any reason. I love that the adjectives that, that the Bible uses to describe prayer here. He says the effectual fervent prayer. That word effectual means successful in producing a desired or intended result. Let me ask you this this morning, and again, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I don't even, I'm not even going to look for a nodding of a head. But when's the last time that the prayers that came from our heart and from our lips moved the hands of him who moves the world? When's the last time you and I prayed so fervently for something that we actually impacted the heart of God? You see, so many of us, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later, I'm so guilty of getting ahead of my notes, but so many of us are so good at, at, at you know, we, we go through the cliche phrases that we heard growing up in church, and, and, and we sit down to eat, and we just say the prayer for the food, and, and some of us, you know, we say a prayer with our kids as they're going to bed, whatever the case is, but when's the last time that you and I begged God and said, God, I'm not moving on until you give me an answer in this topic? Boy, I tell you what, I was convicted as I studied out those words and, and, and really examined my prayer life this morning. You know, as we see the word of God here, we don't just see the person of prayer. We also see the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. You may be saying, Andrew, this morning you're not telling me anything I don't know. You're not telling me, you know, anything that I haven't heard about how important prayer is in our lives. But can I tell you this, that not one of us can gain the full appreciation and realize the essential factors that prayer plays in our lives without fully understanding why it is so important. You know, many of us today, and, 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 and I'm guilty of this, uh, Carson, when he starts talking here and who knows when, I know that word why is going to be one of his favorite words, right? And those of you that are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's, you give a statement, well, why? Because I said so. Well, why? You just run out, right? Like you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're so good at knowing, okay, this is what I need to do. This is one thing I'm challenging the teens on at Legacy Baptist where I serve is I'm going through basic discipleship with them. And I say, who's Jesus? And I get a great, a great variety of answers. But I said, no, 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 who's Jesus? And right now I'm going through with my teenagers and saying, you know, getting down to the, okay, this is why he's Jesus. This is why, this path, why? Because sometimes it's not just good enough for us to know, okay, it's important, but we need to understand why. You know why? Because some of us aren't going to be fully committed until we understand why prayer is so important. First of all, prayer is important is because Jesus commanded us to pray. Okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Philippians 4, 6, all of these passages describe, the Bible says, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Bible is, is full of passages where it talks about that it was commanded, right? And that, hey, that's reason enough. I don't know about you, but man, I read point number one. It's like, okay, you know, God told me it's important. Therefore, I'm going to pray. Another reason 
is that not only did Jesus command us to pray, but I love this, is that he set an example for us. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, Matthew 26, 36, Mark 1, 35, Luke 5, 16, all of these passages we don't necessarily have time to get into this morning, but these are all passages where Jesus Christ not only commanded us to pray, but also set a, an example for us to pray. Boy, I think if the Lord Jesus Christ was willing not just to command us in his word, but to also show us, I, I think it, it goes to reason that it's pretty important, don't you? You know, prayer allows us to worship and praise the Lord. It's also the third reason for prayer is it's a tool to communicate with God. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. One of my favorite passages of scripture, would you turn with me to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter number four. Just a few pages back, Hebrews chapter number four. I absolutely love this passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter four. Look with me at verse 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Well, let me encourage you, verse 16, as we read that, if you don't have that verse underlined in your Bible and you're in the habit of underlining, I would encourage you to underline, memorize, whatever you have to do, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come what? Come boldly before the throne of grace, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christian, may I say this morning, if you're in this room this morning and you're saved, you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, how in the world, and I'm, pre I'm speaking to myself, how in the world can we read that verse right there and not take full advantage of it? How can we read this passage right here and the Bible says, hey, we don't have to come trembling, although we should be in awe of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we don't have to become feeling unworthy, though that's a great thing to keep in mind. The Bible says there, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. If you're saved in this room this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment you received him as your Lord and Savior, you were empowered to go before the throne of God boldly. Aren't you thankful this morning that you don't have to go through a priest? You don't have to go through another man. You have access to communicate with the God of heaven. Boy, can you think about that this morning? I, I don't know about you, but as I was studying for that, I had to sit there and think of that statement. Like the fact that you and I, if we are saved this morning, have direct access to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who not only created this world, but the one who keeps it in orbit. The one who continues to show himself day in and day out in our lives. Folks, if you don't look at the facilities here at Tucson Baptist Church this morning and tell me that God isn't still working today. If you don't look at these seats as they're filled every Sunday and, and every midweek and think God's still working in our lives in our church, folks, then you need to open your eyes. Why? Because God continues to work in our lives every day. You see, what are you and I anticipating with from God this morning? Another reason that we should be uh, pray, another reason to pray is it allows us to participate in God's work. 
It allows us to participate in God's work. You see, God doesn't need our help keeping this world in orbit. God doesn't need you and I this morning to continue to work in believers' lives all across this country. Why? But he chooses to use you and I. He chooses to use us, and prayer is a channel through which he uses us to do his will. You may be sitting in here this morning, and you may be saying, Andrew, man, I don't get around like I used to. I, I, I don't have an opportunity to serve in the various ministries, whether it's uh, because of my health, whether it's because of, uh, of what COVID-19 or whatever. You fill in the blank. Let me ask you this morning, who have you prayed for today? Who have you prayed for this week? You, say, you may say, hey, I haven't been able to serve the Lord like I want to. But let me ask you this, who's, who have you prayed for today? What have you prayed for today? Boy, if you're a parent in here this morning, and you're not every day going before the throne of God begging him to save your child, you should start now. If you're a grandparent in the room this morning, and, and you're not praying for your kids, if they're saved, you're not praying for God's will, and if they're not saved, you're praying for their salvation, start today. If you're in this room this morning and, and you can't remember the last time you prayed for another brother or sister in Christ in this room, may I say start today. You see, God wants to use every single one of us in this room. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter how long you've been at Tucson Baptist Church. May I tell you this morning, God wants to use you in the furthering of his work. Not only do we see the person of prayer and the importance of prayer, but thirdly, I see the dangers of prayer. The dangers of prayer. You may be sitting there this morning, and I'm sure I'm getting some looks right now, like, what in the world are you talking about? The dangers of prayer. Well, may I share with you from Scripture that there are some dangers of prayer. We need to be careful that our prayers don't become stale and ineffective, one of the most dangerous, uh, important dangers that Christians face when praying is remembering that we're not having a monologue, but it's a dialogue. Think about that this morning, that prayer is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. Prayer should be. The intent of prayer was to be a conversation between you, me, and God. It was meant not for you and I to sit there and just thank him, though we should. It's not meant for us just, just to sit there and, and tell him about the needs in our life, though that's what he wants us to do. But when we pray, we should give, give God an opportunity to talk back to us. And again, it's not in some audible voice. It's not like you're going to hear God speak to you from the hallway or, or, or you know, from another room. But folks, God should be speaking to us through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Andrew Murray once said, prayer is often, I'm sorry, a prayer is not a monologue, but a dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. Boy, can you think about that this morning? You and I, were so good, aren't we? In fact, I was just joking with somebody earlier this morning, talking about how excited Chris and I and Carson are to be here this week. Just a little time of relaxation, being in ministry and, and, and working another job. I'll tell you, the last month, month and a half has just been absolutely busy in our lives. And folks, if we're not careful, we can all be guilty of getting in a pattern of things, can't we? We can all be good about, you know, we wake up, we have our morning routine, okay? I am guilty of that. I, I, I tell people this, I say, I'm a morning person in the sense that I like to get up early, I like to get my day going, but don't talk to me. 
Okay, that, that's just me. I, I like to get up early. I like to get going. But leave me alone until I've had a little chance to wake up. But you see, we're so good at getting on our routine, right? We, we get ready for work. We drop the kids off at school. We send them out the door. We maybe go to our place of employment. We, we, we go out and about with the busyness of our day. And before we realize it, we're back pillowing our head, realizing that we didn't spend one minute with the Lord God in prayer. See, many of us wouldn't go a full day without talking to our spouse. Many of us wouldn't go a, a day without maybe texting a good friend of ours or, or spending some quality time with our children. But how often are we guilty of going entire day, may I say an entire week, and not conversing with the Lord? You see, we're so good at getting out our prayer, getting out our, our prayer for the meal. We're so good at, at getting out what we want, but yet we don't give the Lord God a chance to speak to us. Again, folks, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Another danger is that we often use cliche wording. In Matthew 6, 7, Jesus essentially is saying, don't, don't offer these prayers as the heathens do because the, the, the priests and them were so used to getting up and they had their phrases they would use. Boy, they had their prayers memorized. Folks, when the, when's the last time that you and I were more concerned about the effectiveness of our prayer than how eloquent it was? See, so many of us are good at, we like to put in big words that maybe we've heard in church or, or we like to add something new to prayer but when's the last time that we stopped what we were doing when we were praying and said, Lord, why am I saying the same things? And I'm guilty of this, folks, of maybe saying the same phrases over and over again. But the Bible warns us that that's one of the dangers of prayer is when our prayers can become stale and ineffective when we use cliche wording and we say the same thing over and over. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't be praying for things. But folks, let's keep it real. Let's get back to the point where, you know, if you walked up to somebody in the room this morning, you're probably not saying the same five sentences you said to them the last time you saw them, right? There's a little bit of change in pattern. There's a little bit of a change in speech. May we never go before the throne of God just with stale words. May we go before him asking that our prayers be effective. It's okay to ask God for things, but too often we do not take the time to thank the Lord for who he is. See, so many of us are good at going to the Lord in prayer when we need something. Going to the Lord in prayer when we want him to intervene in a situation. But how many times can we be guilty of going to the Lord and not even stopping to thank him for who he is in our lives, for what he's done in our lives? And may I beg you this morning, believer in Christ, let's get back to the point in our prayer lives where we stop just asking for things, that we stop just, just telling the Lord what we want and just saying, Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for providing for me. Folks, the, the, the roof that you had over your head last night, if you did, was from the Lord. That food that you ate this morning is something that the Lord, we all have things that we can thank the Lord for, if anything, to thank him for providing. You see, Satan is always busy, isn't he? You see, uh, one man once said, Robert Murray McShane once said, I know well that when Christ is nearest, Satan also is busiest. When Christ is nearest, Satan also is busiest. 
You see, believer in Christ this morning, don't think for one second that just because you're going before the throne of God that Satan isn't trying to work his way into that, into that prayer. That, God, that he isn't trying to work his way into that conversation between you and God. Boy, I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of going before the Lord in prayer, and maybe it's for a little bit of a length of time, and I get, I get there, and before I realize what's even happening, my mind's drifted off to something I need to do that day. My mind's drifted off to a, another problem in my life. Can I encourage you with something this morning? If you're in the middle of prayer, if you're in the habit of maybe spending, and hopefully you are spending quality time with the Lord in prayer, take a pen and a notepad with you. And when Satan comes and when he brings those things before you into your mind, just write them down and go back before the Lord in prayer. Why? Because Satan would love nothing more than for you and I to get so worked up with things in our lives that we forget the whole reason why we're even there praying. We would forget the whole reason why we were approaching the throne of God. My question to you this morning is what area of, of your prayer life needs work? I've had to ask myself that. As I, was, as I was writing that out here, I've had to ask myself, what areas of my prayer life do I need to see the Lord improve? Do I need more passion in my prayer life? Do I need more effectiveness? And for all of us in this room this morning, it could be a variety of things. I, I don't pretend to know what you're dealing with in your life. I'll tell you one example of, of prayer in my life is, as Pastor Howard mentioned, I went to West Coast, of course, that's where Chris and I met, and I remember it was my sophomore year of college, and we were getting near the end of the semester, and I'm looking around the room, I'm seeing some West Coast uh, graduates in here, and some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, but you would get to the end of the semester, and for those of you who aren't as familiar, your bill had to be completely paid in order to take finals. And I remember I was getting to the end of my sophomore year of college, and I remember walking into the finance office, and, and uh, I, I put what money I had, and they said, will you still owe? And they gave me the amount. And I'll tell you what, folks, I began to panic. I began to think, oh my goodness, I, I, you know, I knew how much was in the bank account, and I thought there is no way I'm going to be able to take finals. I remember I walked out of the finance office, and I can tell you exactly what hallway I was in there in the North Auditorium. And I remember the first person I called on the phone was my mom. And the, no, not many people in this room actually know, know my mom. My mom is one of the godliest people that I know. And I remember I called her on the phone and I was frantic. And, and this is not a shocker to Carissa or anybody else that knows me, but I'm, I, I get worked up pretty easily. And I remember calling my mom and I'm like, Mom, I don't have enough money to pay my school bill. And what am I going to do? I have to take finals. I have to graduate. And my mom is calmly as ever on the other end of that phone, I was in California and she was all the way back in Maryland. And I remember her saying, to Andrew, saying, Andrew, have you prayed about it? And I remember pausing, and it was almost like my thoughts paused at that moment as well. And I thought, have I prayed about it? No, I really haven't. She said, Andrew, you need to pray about it. And my mom said something that'll be with, stay with me for the rest of my life. She said, Andrew, prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. Prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. Boy, folks, I, I, I remember at that moment, my mom said that I, my, my head began to fill with memories of myself walking the hallways of our house very early in the morning on my way to work during summer vacation and Christmas vacation to pay that school bill off. And I remember seeing my mom there on her knees in prayer, begging the Lord to work in the lives of her children praying for her husband who has been in ministry for over 20 years and praying for her children. And it was at that moment in my life 
that I realized the power of prayer. Folks, if you want to see change in your life, if you want to see God work in your life, we've got to get back to prayer. We've got to get back to it. And folks, what a, what a more appropriate time than to say, you know what, in the year 2022, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what trials are going to come. Because believe me, if you're saved in this room this morning, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you afraid. But can I tell you, if you're saved this morning, things are going to come in your life in 22 that you're not going to be able to control. There are things in your life that are going to go without things that you, ways that you can explain it. But let me ask you this. One thing we can do is we can go before the throne of God boldly. One man once said, it is strange that while praying, we seldom ask for a change of character, but always a change in circumstance. It is seldom, it is strange that while praying, we seldom ask for a change of character, but always a change in circumstance. The next time that you and I are in a position where we can't help it, the next time that you and I are in a place where we, we are beyond ourselves, and, and, and I don't know if it's a man thing in the room this morning, but I'll tell you guys, I, I tell you, as a man, as a father, as a husband, anytime Carissa and I run into something, it's what can I do to fix this? What can I do? Men, ladies, I'm begging you this morning, teenagers, children that are in this room, when something comes in our lives, let's go first of all to the person who can change that and not just pray for a change in situation. But pray for a changing character. When's the last time that you and I prayed that God would change us in a trial versus changing our circumstances for us? Boy, that's something that if we're not careful, that is one of the dangers that we can fall into is wanting God to just fix everything in our lives and saying, Lord, what can you do to fix me? I'm the one that needs help. And may I say this this morning, you'll get to a year from now You'll come to December 26th of 2022, and if this is your prayer for this coming year, you'll look back on where your life is spiritually now versus where it's going to be a year from now, and you're going to be like, wow, man, I'm in a much better position spiritually. Why? Because I watched out for those dangers. I watched out for those pitfalls when it comes to prayer. And lastly, this morning, not only do you see the person of prayer, the importance of prayer, and the dangers of prayer, but may I say fourthly, and this is the one I think we all love, is the rewards of prayer. The rewards of prayer. Look with me back at our text one more time. James chapter 5, and look with me at the end of verse 16 there. The Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, what? Availeth much. That word availeth in verse 16 means effective use or help or an advantage effective use or help or an advantage. You see, when we pray with fervency, our prayers become effective in furthering God's will in certain areas. You see, oftentimes it's our own fault if we don't receive answers or we don't receive uh, aid in something in our lives if we're not bringing it before God in prayer. You see, I have no doubt this morning that I'm talking to people this morning that you've been praying for your spouse for years to be saved. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you've been praying for your kids for years to be saved. May I encourage you this morning, don't stop. Don't stop praying. There was a lady in our church. My dad started a church in central Pennsylvania back in 1998. I was about four and a half years old. And I remember there was a lady in, in that church. Her name was Mickey. And Mickey was a godly lady. Mickey is still attending that church today. 
And Mickey had a, had a husband, his name was Nestor, and Nestor was hard-hearted to church. Nestor was hard-hearted to spiritual things. And I remember when we would go over to our house, uh, Miss Mickey would ask my dad to, to pray with, with Nestor and, and really pray before, me, before talking to him that God would give furtherance. And I remember after, uh, after my dad left that ministry and we were in uh, the city of Philadelphia where I grew up, I remember my dad got a call one day and it was Miss Mickey. This was 10 to 15 years later. And I remember her say, telling my dad, she said, Pastor, I wanted to let you know, Nestor passed away yesterday. And she said this, she said, but Pastor Cashman, let me tell you this. She said, the night before he passed away, I had an opportunity one more time to share the gospel with him, and he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Folks, that was after not just months. That was not after just a year or two. Folks, that was decades after praying. Don't ever give up, don't ever give up hope. Don't ever give up on your kids, your grandkids. Don't ever give up on your siblings, your parents. Why? Because God can work in ways that you and I don't understand. God can work in ways in our lives that, that are beyond, and that's when we know it's the power of God, when it's something that's outside of ways that we can explain. John Knox, a Scottish minister in the mid-1500s, prayed this prayer. He said, give me Scotland or I die. This was not an arrogant prayer, but one simply of passion for the conversion of his fellow countrymen. Although Knox had been imprisoned and enslaved, and though he was often in prison and under threats of persecution, he consistently lived out his theology, believing that one man with God was always in the majority. As such, the prayers of one man was heard not just before the throne of God, but also was a threat to the well-known Catholic, Roman Catholic Mary, Queen of Scots, who was quoted as saying, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Could that be said about your and I's prayer this morning? Does Satan tremble at the thought of you and I going before the throne of God this morning? Or does he simply laugh at how ineffectual and how unproven our prayer is? You see, the Queen Mary, who was known for murdering believers, was known for anybody that opposed a rule, said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Boy, could that describe our prayer life this morning? Could that describe how you and I, when we go before the throne of God, that we've got a hold? Boy, have you ever prayed with somebody? I don't know about you, but I, I know there's prayer meetings that go all around. But I tell you, I know when I've been in the presence of somebody who knows how to get a hold of the Lord God. I know I've been in churches growing up where there was men that would stand and pray and you would say, you know what, that man right there has got the ear of God. When's the last time that, that our prayers have been that effective? That we have literally made Satan tremble in his, his shoes because our prayers were, were touching the heart of God. I close with this. Robert E. Lee, the great Confederate general, once said, knowing that intercessory prayer is our mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today, I pleadingly urge our people everywhere to pray, believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. I humbly urge that we take time to pray, to really pray. Let there be prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown, at midnight, all through the day, let us pray for our children, 
our youth, our aged, our pastors, our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves that we may not lose the word concern out of our Christian vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus Christ and his redeeming love. For moral forces everywhere, for our national leaders, let prayer be our passion. Let prayer be our practice. Bible says in James 5, the effectual, fervent prayer of a what? A righteous man. Folks, you've got to know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. And if you're in this room this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about, you have no idea of the relationship that I've just described to you. Can I tell you this morning that you can know exactly what I'm talking about this morning? If you're saved in this room this morning, may our heart's prayer be exactly that of Robert E. Lee's. Let prayer be our passion. Let prayer be our practice.